never reach me Were some guys who were preacher fans The only dudes who could ever teach me Were some guys who were preacher fans Yes, they were They were Oh, yes, they were That's a podcast theme right there. Welcome to Preacher Man, a podcast about AMC's hit show, Preacher. I'm Alex. I'm Justin. I'm Pete. And we are talking about the eighth episode of Preacher, El Valero, or Vallero. I don't know. Do you, either of you Ooh. speak Spanish? How does... I only speak Alex's Spanish, which oh. is what I love. Nice. What about you, Pete? Do you speak Spanish? Nope. Uh, El Valero, does that mean anything to you? It's the title of the episode. (laughs) (laughs) Pete loves talking about this stuff. Oh, great. Um, Well, I I would say that in Spanish, El Valero uh, roughly translates as, (laughs) sorry, the Valero uh, as translated by this online translator. So that's pretty helpful. Yeah, I like how you tried to Google it to make yourself sound smart, and then it was it let you down. Yeah, Alex, you should just know what it means, which I do. Um, and let me just say casually, it means a combining form indicating derivation from or relation to valerian or some of its products, as valeric acid, as in valerolactone, a colorless oily liquid produces the anhydride of an hydroxyvaleric acid. Listen, wow, on. Justin. Wow, I can't believe you knew that offhand. Well, yeah. that's the kind of guy I am. And I was a chemistry major for one semester. Wow. Is that true? Really it is true. Huh. Before I'd ever done any sort of acting or performing. Wait, but you, weren't, you weren't just born and knew exactly that you wanted to be a classically trained actor? No, I was a classically trained chemist before I was ever a classically trained actor. I so wanted to be I- a gastrointestinal surgeon before I got into acting. Pete, what did you want to do before you became whatever it is you are? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Uh, Wait, I'm curious. That was an actual question. That was an actual question? I don't want to share it with you because you'll make fun of me. No. Do it. We would never make fun of you. Yeah, right. Pete, say, do it. Uh, All right. So uh, when I was a kid, I wanted to be first a cartoonist, then a garbage man. You you wanted to be a garbage man? Yes, because I thought it was cool. Everybody else had to ride inside of cars, but garbage men got to ride on the outside of cars. <laughs> it's it's funny. Alex and I were talking about our college majors, and you were talking about what I assume is a childhood uh, observation. Right. Or did well, you want to go to college to be a garbage man? Yeah, <laughs> I, didn't know, I didn't know how it worked, but uh, I was ready. I was ready for the commitment. I was going to do it. Huh? Yeah. No, I've heard Stanford has a great garbage man program. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, it is important that we have garbage men and garbage women. They provide a powerful and important service. So they uh, are they are New York's strongest. Yeah. Listen, if any of them listen to this podcast, I don't want to put them down. That's all. I'm not putting them down at all. Nobody is. Oh, I, I was though actually. I guess by you're flying, a monster. Right? Yeah, I'm a horrible monster. Uh, speaking of horrible monsters, let's talk about Odin Kincannon. At the top of this episode, we got the origin, sort of, of Odin Kincannon, and it is awful. It is so sad and so terrible, and it's kind of played for laughs. But in in the way the yeah. show hits so well, where it's 
gross and kind of funny, but sad and horrifying at the same time. How did you feel? Was this uh, what you guys were expecting from Odin Kincannon's origin? No, <laughs> of course not. It would be, yeah. be insane if you were like, oh, he lost his family in a gondola accident and that drove him mad. Of course. <laughs> and Obviously. then he wandered into a church saying, uh, we're all meat. Here, look at this cow meat. It's basically the same as my daughter. Uh, yep. That was very, I mean, it is, the, the, this show is very funny. I feel like this episode in general was a very funny episode. Well, uh, I, and I they really, play the dark side a lot. Yeah, I like how they play with kind of style and the, even the title cards hysterical. Like the way it, like you saw this gondola crash and all these people die and then it just goes veil, you know, in white letters, big white letters. And I was just like. I, you can't help but laugh a little bit. You're like, this is insane. It's an insane show. They take the time to try to craft things, and uh, it's very intense but very enjoyable. Yeah. Uh, one thing, I, I mean, this might be, seem like a weird thing to mention necessarily, but something that I've been noticing as we're going along, a lot of shows take a lot of flack for having all male writers and directors and it, it, granted, the show does have a majority male writers and directors, but particularly with a comic-based show that often comes off, and this is very Steve Dillon and Garth Ennis who created the book, very macho in a certain way. You'd expect it to be like, oh, this all-male writing staff drinking and come up with crazy violent stuff. But that's not true. It's, it's actually, there's a fair amount of uh, female writers and female directors. And the reason I bring it up with this episode is the writer is Olivia Default, and it's directed by Kate Dennis. So this episode, which is probably the biggest action episode, or at least the biggest battle episode, is written by a woman and directed by a woman. And that's not pointing out anything about, like, wow, how heroic to do that or anything like that, so much as good on them for just getting the best writers and the best directors for each episode versus staying all male or staying all female or breaking it up in any particular way. Comedy for me is like the high watermark. And so like when you can do an episode that is funny, but also like dealing with all these like very violent and very intense battle sequences, like that's amazing to me. Yeah. Yeah. This episode is great. This is a really, really good episode. And then first scene in the veil going through the whole stuff with Kin Cannon, um, that's not in the book. I mean, I, I feel like we're getting very repetitive saying that on the podcast, but this show, this show to me does what the best Marvel movies do, which is it doesn't directly translate the comic, but it gets the spirit of the comic and it brings it through. And I never in a million years would have expected that with a preacher TV show, just because what, Garth Ennis and Steve Dillon put in that book is so cinematic and so big and it feels so translatable, but more power to the show for creating its own thing. I think that's great. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. I agreed. Also, rest in, it, 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 oh, yeah. rest in peace, Steve Dillon. Rest in peace. Uh, yeah. I do think this is uh, it to me because I haven't read the comic. It is so seamless uh, the way it translates in the show. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, cool. So let's talk about the present day. So the large majority of the episode is basically the siege of Jesse's church. That's pretty much it. Um, but 
It's great. I mean, there's, like you said, Justin, there's all these comedy set pieces. Um, we get to see Jesse in action a lot. Uh, were there any standouts for you? Any things you particularly liked throughout these sequences? I mean, I love the dude that gets his, uh, to quote the show, his dick shot off. <laughs> uh, that was hilarious. I thought it was really well done. And uh, like Ken Cannon saying sunscreen in a sandwich and like all of his nonsense. It was just, it was very fun. It reminded me of like a great like war parody. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. The uh, we didn't talk about this the last episode on the podcast, but there's an exchange that Cassidy has, which is a running joke on the show where he doesn't like the big Lebowski. Uh, and he talks about it where you can have all these ridiculous things, but they need to be backed up by plot. And if anything, I feel like that exchange in the last episode where he's ranting about that feels like it's setting up this episode. Like a lot of this stuff, we've talked about how it's very Sam Raimi, but there's a lot of Coen Brothers-esque things as well, where there's random sudden acts of violence that had happened in the middle of quirky characters. Uh, but here it works. Like he's right. There's a plot here and there's a thrust to the episode and there's a crest to it and it works across the board. So bully to you, Cassidy, wherever you are. Yeah. I think it's one of those things where it's like, it can be a very dangerous playing with the meta aspect and also talking about a movie during a TV show and talking about uh, issues with uh, a very popular uh, amazing movie, uh, you know, can be dangerous, but because it's casting and, and this actor is doing such an amazing job with this character, it's so enjoyable. And regardless of whether or not you agree or, or disagree with what he's saying or what you think about the movie, it's just such a cool, honest take from that character. It's very uh, easy to kind of follow along and enjoy it. I guess so it's you just too bad. That, oh, I was just going to say it's too bad that they killed him off. Yeah. <laughs> Bummer. Yeah. I was going to say, uh, so you don't mind when uh, the characters bring up other TV shows and movies, but when we do it, it's a living nightmare for you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Huh, that doesn't make my any own personal, sense. Uh, my own personal hell that you guys put me through. Yeah, go to hell. Never. So, Jesse, uh, during the siege, the two angels, uh, oh my gosh, what are their names? Uh, Fiore and Blanc arrive Blanc. at the church and they want Genesis back. Uh, and they end up kind of convincing Jesse to do it. We're yeah, talking a lot of Jesse. Jesse calls for them. Yeah. yeah. Also, Jesse does. Jesse is a straight up badass. I mean, they bum rush the church, and he takes them out single handedly. Like, because I kept thinking, oh, Cassie's going to show up and help him out. But this no, is Jesse Cannon's men, right? Yep. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Oh, the first the kind of rush. Yeah. The first kind of rush. Uh, uh, you, you were like, oh man, how's he going to do this? And yeah, it, Jesse is a badass dude and he takes on all those guys and then sends them running. And yeah, it felt sort of Monty Python-esque. Mm -hmm. Well, we haven't, seems... we haven't really seen, I don't think we've really seen badass Jesse since the very first episode of the show when... Yeah. Donnie talked about, oh, we were heard you were, you know, this whole badass. Mm -hmm. uh, why don't you show us? And then he takes out an entire bar full of men all by himself with like yeah, he does. very little assist from Cassidy. 
Um, we've also seen hints throughout of something happening in Jesse's past, bad stuff happening in Jesse's past, and how much of a badass he actually was. So it's not totally a surprise that he can do that with or without Genesis, but certainly with Genesis, it gets amped up quite a bit. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, he fought off the Seraphim with, uh, with Fiore and DeBlanc as well. Like he, mm-hmm. he's been a badass throughout. That's true. So Fiore and DeBlanc do show up and they offer to help him get Eugene, well, bring somebody back from hell. Uh, mm-hmm. And they do it in exchange for getting Genesis back. So uh, it actually works for a little bit. They put Genesis in a coffee can, and then Genesis goes back to Jesse. Now, why do you think that is? Why does Genesis go back? Um, well, I think it's kind of revealed that Genesis then destroys that shitty little kin, uh, tin can so that it can't be trapped again. Uh, but... I also wanted to talk about the reveal that we think uh, our space is back and he's not. And like, how interesting was that? Especially for you, Justin, not knowing uh, the comic, like when did you figure out the fact that, Oh, this isn't actually him. And, and also I thought it was an amazing line where he was like, he talks about how he just dug up. And he was like, it's not that far down. I, yeah, that, that, was cool. a, that was a fucking powerful line. I was like, oh, yeah. shit. Yeah, that was awesome. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I knew when they, the moment when Jesse knew, he says, well, I never mentioned Fiori yeah. and DeBlanc to you. Like, that was cool. And I, I like, they play it for a laugh in the, be- in the earlier part where he's looking for Eugene and he's not in the pew he was sitting in. And he's like two pews over waving. Yeah. Like, that was really fun. But it. It makes you wonder, like, what is this? Is this when when Jesse said come back? Is this the uh, demon like, or something? Yeah, I thought maybe it was like a demon or something. They would have to fight. Is this uh, the manifestation of his guilt? Uh, that's what it feels like. Like in the last episode, we talked about him being in shock, and this feels like he is uh, sort of dealing with that, and it's coming back. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's as a comic book reader, it's really fascinating because none of this stuff ever happened with our space in the book or even close. Um, so I have no idea where it's going. Uh, I'm, I'm very fascinated to see where they go with this and how this works into the overall mythology. Um, because we were talking about a couple of episodes back, I, I think it was you and me, Justin, about how it's interesting that there's a vampire on this show that it feels like not off, but slightly different than, uh, just the overall mythology of everything going on with heaven and hell. And same thing with whatever our space is. Like, is he a ghost or what? What, what exactly is happening? Yeah. yeah, like the way they can cross genres like that is wild to me. But it's like it all does like patch together. Yeah, I mean, that's why it's taken so long for to get something like Preacher made is because it's so different and so out there that they couldn't really do it until now. Yeah, well, but they, it's a hit, Pete. It's a hit. Hell yeah, it is. Well, let's uh, hope let's they do. I hope they do a second season. Oh, Me too, man. Great, man. Uh, uh, fingers uh, crossed. You know. Yeah, exactly. It's got a hope. <laughs> uh, well, let's. Can we get back to Genesis for a second? Because I am curious Please. to get your guys' take on it. Uh, why does Genesis man, go back to Jesse? Uh, I think it's because he has work still to do, and I think also what is your favorite Phil Collins song? No. Oh man! Don't make me choose. Uh, I think um, it goes back to him because 
he gives up Genesis so that he can get Eugene back. And then uh, Fiore and DeBlanc are like, oh, nah, I don't know. And because of that, I think Genesis is like, no, Jesse has a real purpose. And I like his mix of uh, evil and good. Like I, they, he talks with the angels about how all the other people that Genesis has gotten into have exploded. Yeah. Um, and Genesis is a half angel, half demon. And right. So Jesse that's why feels like, Jesse feels like he's half angel and half demon. He's the son of a preacher who became a preacher, but he also had this criminal past. I feel like Genesis like vibes with that. And so it's like, no, why am I leaving this host? I love this dude. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're having fun together. So they're, yeah. Uh, I think that I think that Genesis was just tricking them into thinking it was okay. Uh, yeah, but yeah, I, I, I think mean, that you're, oh, you're right, Justin. I can't agree more that like the the reason he didn't explode is because he is this half angel, half demon. I would also say he seems to have an invisible touch. Uh, he takes control and tears him apart. Oh, my God. I, I can feel what's coming in the air tonight. Oh, boy. Yeah, you can. Yeah, you can. yeah. so Donnie does a cool move this episode. During the siege, Donnie is very much looking for redemption after being the saddest of sad sacks for eight episodes now. So when he is at his lowest point, he goes into his car, opens up the trunk, and fires his gun. And I'll be honest, I was completely shocked. I thought he had shot himself in the face. I did not see what was actually coming there. Um, Yeah, that was great. And I love that he's wearing all this, like, Civil War garb, like, being, like, such a douche. Uh, And then he takes it off and seemingly kills himself. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, But then uh, it turns out, actually, what he's doing is he's blowing out his eardrums so that Jesse can't use his power on him, which is so smart. Yeah. yeah, but also uh, it was very. I was screaming at the TV because uh, I was like, "You can take this guy. He's got one arm. So what if he can't hear? You can still beat the shit out of this guy. You're so much faster and stronger he is." Uh, but kind of, he takes a fact advantage of the fact that Jesse's kind of like, "Oh, I can't use my power on him." Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think, well, Jesse is also tired. He doesn't want to do this. We've talked and he's about- been drinking a lot. Jesse's tired. Jesse's uh, tired. Well, he is, though, right? He he doesn't even yep. necessarily want this church. Like, he's ready to sign over the church to Kim Cannon. There's clearly something holding him back from fully on, all full-on signing on over and just leaving. But I don't think it's a, something that he loves. Like, I don't... I don't know. I don't get the impression that he wants to be a preacher. I don't get the impression that he loves religion so much as he's just searching for some answers. Yeah. I think it's guilt. I think he has guilt about uh, killing his father. He's traumatized and has guilt about what he thinks. He thinks he killed his father. And yeah. so he's following in his footsteps, trying to do what he thinks his dad would have wanted him to do. Yeah. And here he is doing being this preacher and like desperately holding a congregation together of people that – like don't really want to do that. And he's set, willing to sacrifice it all for this sort of half dream that he is, has put on himself. Yeah. Uh, should we talk about Tulip? Tulip uh, adopts a dog this episode. It's very sweet. Oh, yeah. Very nice. What a great fun side story. It's very yeah. nice. And that's the last thing that happens with that dog. And it lives forever. And it goes <laughs> yeah. to a farm up 
up uh, upstate. Upstate. Yep. Yep. Dog. No, Tulip uh, feeds it to a room. So what do you think is going on in that room? (laughs) She throws it in there. We hear growling and freaking out, and it's horrifying. Um, What do you think is going on? Sounds like a tiger. Sounds like a tiger. Oh, you think they're introducing it's like a whole Walking Dead thing with Ezekiel and Shiva? Yep. Uh, I was going to say I think it's a crossover with the Jungle Book, and it's like a Shere Khan thing. Uh, Oh, Okay. Because if it is The Walking Dead, they're both on AMC. So maybe AMC stands for uh, Always Mangy Cats. Oh, that's <laughs> got to be it. That's a wow. Very, very quick on the uptick there. Uh, oh, I've been planning that for weeks. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Yeah, I think uh, Cassidy's still alive, and that's the. Uh, oh, Cassidy. He's yeah. that other character. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Cassidy's not dead. He's in that room. Uh, we don't get to see exactly what's going on, but it's something terrible if he's eating a dog. It's <laughs> yeah. just not good stuff. Now, let me ask you, do you think Tulip picked that dog because he was the maybe the oldest dog and the closest to death, so that's why she thought it was okay to pick that dog? Well, I like that she plays with the dog. She gives the dog like another, like one last nice day. Yeah, exactly. Um, I think that's super nice. Yeah. yeah. It's like how I agreed to record this podcast with you guys. Yeah, totally. Uh, the only reason I do this podcast is because um, I uh, prayed that my father died, and the last thing he said to me was, keep this podcast going. Oh, well, man. Your da- dad's super cool. Yeah, he's a huge fan, or what? Yeah, he was a huge fan. My my whole family died in a gondola accident, and I said, I don't know what the difference is between uh, their intestines and this podcast. Oh, man. And honestly, there's no difference. Yeah, no difference. So that's how the sausage is made. So at the end of the episode, Jesse is taken captive by King Cannon's men, but he convinces him to do one more thing. He says, I will bring God to Anvil. Oh, man. And if God doesn't come here, then I will give my church over to you. Baller uh, claim. Yeah, and oh, at the end, the townsfolk The old all, double or nothing. He says the old double or nothing. We're going to have a bet. I got, I'm going to go double or nothing. Do you think this is a good move on Jesse's part? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's great. You, even you know how it ends, and you don't even sound confident. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think it's a good idea. yeah, totally. Classic liar uh, clue. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, and sure the, there's one more scene now. Pete and I know what's going on here, so we're not going to weigh in on this. We'll stay mum. But at the end of the episode, there's a control room. An alarm goes off, a man uh, just flips some switches, uh, and then he sits back down and reads a magazine. Justin, any guesses? Um, I think we're going to find the hatch at the end of season one and finally uh, meet Ben Linus and the others. Oh, man, that's going to be nuts. Uh, My actual prediction is, remember that pipe we saw Uh that was like sort of steaming? I feel like that's going on there. Oh. There's some kind of thing underneath the church that is uh, maybe some sort of nuclear situation, radiation, something bad underneath the town. And we're going to find out that what I feel like what's going to happen is Jesse's going to ask for something from God and then that's going to explode. 
in response to this, in the same way that he prayed for his father to die and then it happened, he's going to use the voice of God to call for something and it will happen. But it will be a coincidence and not actually a thing. Mm. Well, some people don't believe in coincidences. So, uh, but I think that what's crazy about this is like we had so much happen in this episode. They're still not afraid to be like, oh, yeah, well, and then also this. You know what I mean? Like there's. Mm-hmm. So you have so many questions, so much action, so much blood, so much stuff, and they still are like, "Oh, and also we're doing this." And it's yeah, this like, is this is not a middling episode. Thank you. I'm glad that you, <laughs> or as I call it, a, a Pete episode, middling. Oh, wow, you're a fucking piece of shit. All right. Well, let's move on to our revelations for the episode. Revelations where we talk about big questions, big scenes, just big, big things. Just big, huge things. What were your What were your revelations from the episode, Justin? Do you want to go first on here? Sure. Uh, my favorite stuff was um, the the siege. How like all of uh, Kim Cannon's soldiers were like marching so seriously and then retreating so yeah. uh, cowardly. Like the guy again that got his big old weed shot off. That was hilarious. Uh, his. The and and I like how the, the motivation was food court. That was hysterical. It's like food yeah. court, food court. Yeah, all of that, that stuff I thought was so well handled and done. Uh, great mix of comedy and uh, action. Really great. Pete, what about you? I'm going to say the uh, my big re- revelation was the uh, art lack of our space in this. Uh, the fact that. It was the reveal that we thought he was back, and it was such a great feeling, like, oh, thank you, he's back. Uh, it was kind of the saving moment for Jesse, like, okay, the dad's on the way, and he's going to have his son, everything's going to be okay. And then the fact that the, the big reveal that he it was just all in Jesse's mind. Yeah, for me, it's Odin Kincannon's origin. I think what this show does wonderfully that is very much in the spirit of the book, even if the stories don't come from the book, is humanizing monsters. You know, in the comic, Odin Kid Gammon is just straight up a monster. There's no... Yeah, over the top. <laughs> so Crazy. over the top. Absolutely. And that we get his backstory here, and it is funny, and it is violent, and it is over the top, but it also is emotional and sad at the same time. Yeah is kind of wonderful. I, I think it's wonderful to see a human side to this crazy monster. I mean, that's the thing. When he's like, I tore, I looked for the soul. There is no soul. It's just meat and flesh. And I was like, holy shit. I mean, this guy is so lost. But uh, it's, yeah, I thought you was, were going to be like, holy shit, this guy gets it. This guy gets it, man. <laughs> I, be- I believe in meat. I think I don't know. God? I don't. I don't want to get too serious right here at the end of our podcast. But I think about that a lot. Like that really hit home for me. Where, I'm like, I don't know, dude. We're a bunch of locomotive meat, and we're gonna end up in the ground, worms eating our body in the dust, and nothing happens. That's sad. I mean, sure. I hate to say, but I sort of agree. We're just meat computers, and it's fine. I'm <laughs> I'm not fine with it. I want something more. I want really. Yeah, I'd be. I no, don't man. think it makes any sense for there to be an afterlife at all. But really? I wish. Yeah. 
You don't think there's this giant bar in the sky where it's happy hour all the time and you know you get- What do you live inside a Billy Joel song? <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say an Adam Sandler movie, but (laughs) both great guesses. Honestly, Pete would live in either of those things and be perfectly happy. Uh, That's definitely Adam Sandler dies and goes to a place where he's like, whoa, it's open bar all the time and Billy Joel is playing. And we finally find out it's shampoo. That's the best impression. That's the best impression you've ever done. Thank you, Pete. Now I truly know what it means to see God. <laughs> I believe is I believe the afterlife is just where you go to perfect your impressions. <laughs> and I, honestly, I can't wait. Yeah. yeah, man, could you imagine that if you got to heaven and they're like, "Hey, now you can finally do that soupy sales impression you've wanted to do." <laughs> Congrats, soupy sales. Maybe oh, the man. oldest reference anyone could ever make. <laughs> Uh, Hold on, I've got a Henny Youngman reference I'm going to drop on our list. I, I used to own several Henny Youngman joke books and used to read them all the time. Wow. I love it. Yeah, Alex, we've heard you. We know. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, if you've heard us and you know, you can donate to our show at patreon.com slash comic book club. Also, we have a live show every Tuesday night at 8 p.m. in New York. That is totally free. You can come on by. We talk about other stuff, but sometimes we talk about Preacher, so that's fine, too. We can chat about whatever. Pete, what do you want to plug? Friend us on Facebook so you get to know about the amazing guests we have on our live show. Follow us on uh, Twitter at Comic Book Live. Check us out at ComicBookClubLive.com. And until next time, there is no afterlife. We're all just meat. <laughs>